My name is Robert Roundtree and I'm the host of the Marijuana Solution and I want to tell each and every one of you how you can help free the plant in Florida and that's by signing the petition for Regulate Florida. If you're a registered voter in the state of Florida, go to regulateflorida.com and download the petition. Sign it, send it into the address on the back to Sensible Florida, or you can bring it into any True Leave around the state of Florida. True Leave is a huge supporter of Regulate Florida, just like the Marijuana Solution and Sunshine Cannabis. And I want to let everyone know that right now, Sunshine Cannabis has committed to donating a portion of all proceeds from their Sunshine Kush True Pod, the Sunshine Gold True Stick merchandise, a percentage of all proceeds to the Regulate Florida campaign to free the plant. The Marijuana Solution is brought to you by Sunshine Cannabis, True Leave, MJ Buddy, and We Are Rare. We're Florida's first licensed medical cannabis dispensary with locations all throughout Florida, and we deliver all throughout Florida next day. We have the largest selection of products within the allowable delivery methods. Truly products are hand-grown in an environment that keeps it as natural as possible at every turn. We don't use pesticides and we lab test our products and those lab tests are published on our website. So you can be confident at the medication that you're putting into your body. Our favorite products are our vaporization lines, our True Pod, our True Clear is a patient favorite, and we also just recently launched True Flower for patients that want the full entourage effect. At Truly, we're really proud to offer the largest variety to patients, and we're really excited about the future and all of our patients that are helping us expand and grow and make our products even better. Visit our website at www.truelieve.com to find out where all of our dispensaries are located, shop online, learn more about our products, or find a doctor if you haven't gotten started in the medical cannabis process. Hi, it's Chris Sunshine here, the president and founder of Sunshine Cannabis. I'm so excited to tell you all about our brand new Sunshine Kush True Pod, available now statewide at all True Leave locations and online at trueleave.com. You can buy the brand new Sunshine Kush True Pod. It comes in a ratio of 8 to 1. It's 710 milligrams of THC and 90 milligrams of CBD. The top terpenes are limonene, linalool, myrcene, and caryophylline. The entourage benefits for patients are unmatched, and the taste is top shelf Kush with a sunshine fruit sparkle at the end. Don't miss it. It's in stock now. Get to your local True Leave or go online to trueleave.com. Buy the brand new 800 milligram pure relief in a pod sunshine Kush product from Sunshine Cannabis. And remember, sunshine is the best medicine. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Marijuana Solution, and I'm your host, Robert Roundtree. And this episode, we have on a very special guest. We have on Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, He represents District 49 out of the Sunshine State. And as many of you know, he is one of the top, if not the top, advocates for patients and sensible reform to cannabis laws in Florida at the elected level. Uh, I would go so far as to say he may be the number one advocate for us in Tallahassee. And it is an honor and pleasure to have him on today to speak to all of my listeners on the marijuana solution about the uh, different policy changes that may be on the horizon in regards to medical marijuana and some of his other items on the agenda for him legislatively this session. How are you doing today, Representative Smith? I'm doing great, Robert, and thank you so much for your kind words and thank you to the marijuana solution for having me on to talk about this topic that's really important to all of us. Um, And it's very, very important to me, as people already know. I just think that our state has been stuck with draconian cannabis laws for a really, really long time, whether it has to do with medical cannabis, recreational cannabis, or otherwise. We just need to move on from this, and I'm trying to do everything that I can uh, to expand access to medical cannabis and move towards um, legal adult use in our state, because I think it's way, way past time to, (laughs) to do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, 100%. And we appreciate you, you know, being such a strong advocate for us up there in Tallahassee. I know you probably look to your left and right and don't see too many of your colleagues there with you sometimes. But it starts, you know, with open-minded politicians as yourself that 
you know, don't have a problem doing the right thing, even when the rest of the world seems to be, you know, against that at certain levels in our government. And can you kind of describe what the difference is from, let's say, two years ago to now and, you know, what the change of administration seems to be doing um, in regards to marijuana policy? Absolutely. Well, look, um, full disclosure, I am a tried and true progressive liberal Democrat. <laughs> I wear that on my sleeve. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, my progressive ideologies and ideals are reflected in my approach to cannabis. I think that's really obvious. Um, but I also will give credit where credit is due um, when it comes to the issue of at least medical cannabis for now. Uh, I'm, I'm really, um, uh, it gives me confidence to see that Governor Ron DeSantis is using the power of the governor's office to move us in the right direction when it comes to medical cannabis. There were so many problems with the implementing law that, um, that made medical cannabis the law of the land. For those who don't already know, um, even though 71% of Floridians in 2016 uh, approved medical cannabis as a constitutional right for patients in the state of Florida, uh, the job was still left to the Florida legislature to implement that and basically come up with the fine print, if you will. Uh, I thought the fine print was disastrous, uh, not only in um, the way that it was implemented as it related to how the, the industry was regulated and how they required um, the medical marijuana uh, treatment centers or the MMTCs, who are basically the ones who are, are growing, cultivating, distributing, and selling the medical cannabis product. You know, they were requiring them to be vertically integrated, which means to enter the market, you have to do all of those things. But on top of that, they banned access to whole flour for medical patients, which was terrible. There's no employee protection rights. Uh, you can get fired from your job simply for being a medical cannabis patient, even if you have a medical cannabis ID card. The cost and affordability to patients is a, is a, uh, a real obstacle to patients getting their medicine. And overall, um, I think right now the approach that Governor DeSantis is taking by insisting that the Florida legislature start by lifting the unconstitutional ban on smoking medical cannabis is the right move. And I see that as a signal that uh, Democrats like me, even progressive Democrats like me can work with Governor DeSantis on, on uh, making this happen uh, and doing other things related to medical cannabis in a way that helps patients. Yeah, that's uh, probably a breath of fresh air to be able to reach across the aisle uh, as a real progressive Democrat in a red state like this uh, on some issues and actually be able to work on some things together. Uh, so I'm I'm stoked that Governor DeSantis has, um, you know, come out and been very vocal about wanting to change some of the unconstitutional legislation that got passed, such as the smoking ban, I think that's going to help a tremendous amount of patients. Uh, I speak to patients all the time, not legal patients, I still call them patients because they're medicating, and a lot of them uh, are not getting their medical marijuana ID card solely because they can't have access to flour, because that's the form that they're used to, and that's the form that works for them. And it's just really great to see that uh, things are moving up there and will likely have an end to the smoking ban sometime in 2019. Um, right. So I hope, I hope so. Well, you know, part of the issue, Robert, is that we have to educate lawmakers. Uh, I have conversations around this every day and Republican lawmakers will just kind of just frankly tell me, well, I mean, it's not medicine if you're smoking it. That's the point of view that they're coming from, which is that how can it be medicine if it's smokable and, and also that smoking is bad for you. And therefore, that just can't be, you know, a way that may sh that patients can be making themselves better. And, and, you, and you have to get around that and, and educate them on the fact that, hey, actually, uh, when you smoke the flower for many patients, uh, it, it basically allows for them to uh, access the full entourage of benefits that come 
from the plant that they can't get just from oils, that they can't get just from pills, that they can't get just from vaping. Smoking is one of the only ways that 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 helps them access the entourage of benefits. We know that as the entourage effect. We also know that smoking um, helps uh, certain patients get immediate relief. It's different for every patient. It's not as simple as it sounds. You know, some patients are cannabis naive, meaning that just one toke of smoking medical cannabis can be enough or too much uh, for them. And every patient is different. Um, so I think it's important that we put um, proper uh, regulations in place for doctors and we collect research and, you know, we start to establish guidelines. But overall, I think before Ron DeSantis was elected governor, there just was a out, an outsized overreaction and hostility towards smoking medical cannabis that is not based in fact, it's based on fear. It's based on you know people people believing in the the, the myth of reefer madness <laughs> yeah. and educating them take, takes time, but I think that we're making some progress. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up uh, a really good point, and it was something that was brought up during the legislative panel at this weekend's Florida Medical Cannabis Conference, and that is educating the lawmakers and the, you know the people that are actually in charge of crafting our policy from the local all the way up to the state and federal level. Uh, they gave us some tips, the uh, representatives that spoke. Can you give the Marijuana Solution listeners um, maybe a quick and short version of how to be most effective when um, advocating and trying to educate our elected officials? Yeah, I mean, back to back to what I was originally saying, I think that there's a genuine just misunderstanding of how smoking medical cannabis can be um, can be something that that is effective and helpful for patients. But it doesn't just end there. Uh, I think that we need to be talking about how patients have a constitutional right to access that flower if they have a qualifying condition. People need to be able to juice the plant if they need to. They need to be able to, um, to, to use it the way that they and their doctors see fit. But also what we're not hearing a lot about, Robert, and this can be really helpful, I think, in making sure that the cannabis community is effective in their in their advocacy is patient affordability. You know, there's right now I feel like the legislature is laser focused now on repealing the smoking ban, which is fine. But I think that that's going to be over with in uh, in a couple weeks because the governor gave us a deadline of March 15. Once we get over that, what comes next? How can we make the medical cannabis law in the state better? I know that there's a lot of changes that need to happen in the industry. But let's be real, you know, that, that's, that's going to be something that mostly benefits the for-profit business of medical cannabis. I want to recenter the conversation. I mean, the, the, the industry part is important, but I want to recenter the conversation around patients and around what the needs are of the patients and what, what obstacles they are having to overcome um, in getting access to the medicine that they need as a result of the way that the law was written. And any, anything that the activists and advocates and patients can do in bringing it back to patient access, to patient affordability, which we know is a huge thing, I think is, is going to be better for all of us all around because right now Tallahassee really seems focused on <laughs> first lifting the smoking ban and then talking about the needs of the business community around medical cannabis, which is important, but, you know, we got to think about the patients first. Oh, 100%. Um, I'm going to have in the description of this a link to a New York Times article where it is a major study that was published in the um, American Medical Association's journal some years ago that shows smoking cannabis does not affect lung health and lung function. And the reason why is there are actually compounds within the cannabis plant that uh, act as protectants. And I think the confusion is smoking. We've heard for you know decades and decades and 
society is very well educated on the harms that smoking tobacco and cigarettes bring. And there's just like this natural correlation because of smoking. And we heard it a lot at um, the first committee stop for Senator Jeff Brandis bill. And that was one of the reasons the two doctor amendment was added to it, which since has been removed and it's smoking is bad for you. Everyone knows smoking is bad for you. So I'm going to make sure the marijuana solution listeners, all of you out there, you have access to some concrete evidence and proof and studies. So when you are speaking to your policymakers or friends or family and they may come up with a rebuttal that smoking is not medicine, you can show them that, you know, smoking cannabis is not anywhere near the same as smoking cigarettes. It doesn't affect lung health. Uh, and it was a pretty big study with thousands of people in it. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. That's really important because they do, they make the correlation between tobacco and cannabis. Uh, that's not to say that smoking cannabis comes without any risk whatsoever. That's also not the case, but the, but the equivocation between smoking cannabis uh, as a major, major, major health risk as, as is smoking tobacco is just false and it's not supported by any evidence. No, absolutely not. And you'd have a really hard time trying to convince somebody like Kathy Jordan that smoking cannabis isn't medicine. Uh, for those of you who don't know who she right. is, she uh, has been on the front lines of this for decades. She is an ALS patient. That's the Lou Gehrig's disease and automatic qualifier in Florida for a medical marijuana recommendation. And she has survived for four decades with it. And that disease usually takes people's lives fairly quickly after being diagnosed. And she credits mm -hmm. the smoking of cannabis as the reason. And, you know, patients with ALS do really well smoking cannabis. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and, and the other thing I want to point out, Robert, is so much in healthcare um, when we're debating policy is about weighing risks, weighing all of the different risks that come in, you know, through, through the healthcare process, uh, when it, when it relates to medical cannabis, we need to be weighing the risk of smoking medical cannabis, which is minimal to the reality that without changing the law to allow smokable cannabis, the, the other risk, the alternate risk that comes from people buying cannabis on the street illegally and being exposed to the risk that comes from it being laced with other toxins, other drugs, uh, possibly being exposed to synthetic cannabis, mm. uh, which can actually kill someone. Um, we went to what I'm, what I, the, one of the arguments I'm trying to make in Tallahassee is, Hey, we, we under, we understand that there are, some minimal risks involved in allowing for cannabis patients to access the flower, but those risks are substantially outweighed by the risk that patients are facing because we have unintentionally incentivized them to buy their cannabis on the black market. That is a much larger risk. And then there's the other risk of arrest for cannabis patients, which of course is separate from uh, well, it's also related to, to smoking medical cannabis uh, just because of the way that the laws uh, are written both in, in the state and at the federal level. So I appreciate the concern that many Republican lawmakers have uh, as far as like weighing the risk of smoking medical cannabis, but their their concern is misplaced. <laughs> it's misplaced 100%. because there are other more substantial risks that we have unintentionally created because of the ways that we have written our laws. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. 
Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. But a game for your phone gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chi Chin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads and get premier brand exposure. This is your opportunity. NCIA's Cannabis Caucus are coming this month to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Denver, Lansing, Michigan, and Philadelphia. Register today using promo code CANNABISRADIO20 to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. You brought up a really good point, Representative Smith, and that is if patients don't have access to the cannabis in the form that they want, the black market um, for the politicians up in Tallahassee that don't aren't aware of it, it's booming in Florida. And people will turn to the black market, and it's unfortunate. Um, and we even see this happen if doctors are giving very low quantities of THC and CBD on the orders to patients. You know, they run out. And then what are they going to do? Well, they need medicine. They're going to turn to the black market and then become criminals. And as you said, the black market is laced with all kinds of stuff. I mean, it just takes somebody 10 minutes on Instagram searching and you will see memes made and it will show like trash and garbage in an arrow from like California and Colorado and all the legal states. And then the, the trash receptacle is centered over Florida. And that's because a lot of this black market cannabis and a lot of it is um, legal cannabis in some parts of the country that then gets mailed into the state. It's because that stuff failed out there. I, I want the marijuana solution listeners to wake up. If there's a product that can be legally sold in another state and it shows up here in this state, you should ask yourself why they have a legal route to sell it. If, Someone's sending it here, it probably failed. Maybe it failed for mold. Maybe it failed for mycotoxins, um, pesticides, residual solvents. And California went legal, and I believe uh, there was like up to 20% of the products were failing in the beginning. And that brings me up to my next question. Third-party lab testing. Uh, it There is a statutory requirement for it, but so far the Department of Health has not seem to find that a priority uh what are what is your opinion on you know the third party lab testing uh maybe have you heard if they're going to have rules out soon because a lot of patients are, are worried about what they're putting into their bodies because there's no third party labs unless the company actually um, provides it and very few do in florida right now Right. Well, thank you for that that question. Look, I think the the legislative problem that we have on the third party lab testing requirement is that the Department of Health and the Office of Medical Marijuana Use have not been held accountable to write those to to write those rules and to 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 implement it. Um, part of the reason I believe is because the Office of Medical Marijuana Use is not properly funded. They get 100% of their funding from the $75 patient ID cards, which, by the way, are too expensive and available for too short a period of time, which is another conversation. But that's where they get their income, and they're not being supplemented by the legislature with more appropriations so that they can hire staff, so that they can uh, expand their bandwidth to include, you know, what, you know, how, how they're going to implement the third-party lab testing requirement, like the the oversight that they're supposed to be engaged in to ensure that that third-party lab testing is happening, the oversight is not happening. Uh, and in part, it's because of um, the legislature not properly funding the Office of Medical Cannabis Use, which is a problem. 
Okay, that, that totally makes sense. So 100% of the funding comes from the card fee? Is that what you're Correct. saying? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's, uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, as expensive as that is and how many patients there are, to fund an entire department that oversees hundreds of thousands of patients and these companies and the lab testing and the seed to sale, uh, it makes sense now why a lot of things have not been getting uh, enforced or done. Is there any conversation up in Tallahassee about uh, securing additional appropriations for the department? Those are conversations that I'm I'm a part of. I have spoken to people like Representative Ray Rodriguez, who has been um, the House lead on this issue for the last couple of years, but also this year and some of the policies that he's putting forward. I think that he I think that he understands that funding uh, is a problem, um, and I I hope that <laughs> I hope that our our dialogue so far has been constructive in helping to move him in the in the right direction. But oh. my fingers are crossed. <laughs> All right, everyone out there listening, cross your fingers and knock on wood, because <laughs> <laughs> what what Representative Smith is describing is. Some of these problems, it sounds like that it will be impossible to get fixed. I mean, if you don't have the labor force to actually do the work, it's not going to get done. And that's something that I will also be adding in the description as some uh, bullet points on some topics to bring up with your elected officials when you go to the myfloridahouse.gov, put in your address, find out who they are, and you set up that appointment and speak with them. You'll have like a quick and easy cheat sheet on topics that need to be brought up. That's a, actually a really important one, in my opinion. We've got to have funding for it because there, there should be no excuse why there are no third-party testing uh, requirements right now. That is, uh, in my opinion, it's just inexcusable. Uh, <clears throat> Agreed. So... You brought up uh, also, Representative Smith, I know we've been talking a lot about medical cannabis, but um, adult-use cannabis. And we've seen a couple different, you know, we have a couple different petitions going right now, uh, Regulate Florida and the Floridians for Freedom petition. Regulate Florida is closing in on Supreme Court review, which would be the first adult-use petition to make that. And we have also seen recently um, Senator Bracey filed a uh, resolution to try and get uh, some language on the ballot to be voted on as a constitutional amendment. And uh, prior to speaking, you informed me of a House bill that you are the prime co-sponsor on with uh, Representative Mike Greco, and that is going to be for adult use as well. Can you kind of uh, maybe give us the abridged version of what that bill uh, does and what it would mean for Florida if it's successful and gets signed by the governor one day? Sure. Well, um, so I'm, I'm working with my new colleague, a freshman a Democratic lawmaker, Michael Greco, uh, to forward legislation to uh, allow for adult use of cannabis in the state of Florida. Um, we think it's past time uh, for that to happen. We've partnered with Senator Gary Farmer, um, who's going to be introducing it in the Senate. Uh, and I guess the Reader's Digest version of what we're trying to do is it's not identical, but it's very similar to what the, the ballot initiative from uh, Regulate Florida uh, says. It basically says that we need to uh, we need to regulate cannabis like alcohol. We need to tax it and we need to uh, make it available for public consumption uh, and regulate it so that we can dry up the black market of of illegal cannabis use in the state and we can give law enforcement something to focus on other than arresting people uh, for smoking cannabis. Now, you know that I've been um, supportive of adult use cannabis for as long as I've been um, in in public service. I've been very open about that. In the last two years, I have sponsored decriminalization legislation, which is different from adult use. Uh, decriminalization doesn't go as far as adult use does. Decriminalization will simply say that um, that folks uh, who interact with law enforcement, um, whether it be a result of a traffic stop or otherwise, that that misdemeanor level cannabis use 
or, or possession, I'm sorry, misdemeanor level cannabis possession, which is less than an ounce, according to Florida law, um, would no longer be a misdemeanor, that um, a civil citation would be the only option that law enforcement has to, um, to, you know, to basically hold, hold the individual person accountable for possessing that amount. Um, that's more incremental than <laughs> adult use. Adult use takes us really, really far, um, very, very quickly. Um, I support all of it, but I also understand the legislative process. And I'm, and, I, and I'm aware of the reality, which is that I think lawmakers are more inclined to support decriminalization before they, um, before they support adult use. I already support adult use. I'm already there, but it's not me that you need to, we need to convince it's, <laughs> it's everyone else. <laughs> so, so long story short, I'm, I'm supporting the filing of, of basically every bill that moves us in the right direction, whether it's expanding medical cannabis, whether it's decriminalizing cannabis for adult use, whether it's fully, fully legalizing it for adult use. I, I support all of the above. <laughs> what can we get done? That's, <laughs> the, that's my bottom line. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I wanted to ask you a question about the decriminalization, uh, just to clarify it for the Marijuana Solution listeners, because a lot of uh, the listeners to the show live in areas that have sold them what is called decriminalization, but is actually gives the officer the option as a, for a civil citation, and we still see a lot of arrest. It's actually happening in Orlando, where they have a option for civil citation, and people continue to get arrested and it's usually in minority communities where it's heavily affected is the decriminalization that um, you're speaking of at the state level. Would that be a mandatory civil citation for those amounts? Thank you for asking that question. Um, we are not, in our legislation that we sponsored in the last two years. So that was in 2017 and 2018. I just want to be clear. I've not filed the decriminalization legislation again this year, but I'm, uh, I'm, I, I'm thinking about it uh, and I have it in drafting. Uh, what our legislation has said is that there is no option for arrest for misdemeanor possession, uh, that it would no longer be a misdemeanor. Uh, and, and that the only, well, I suppose the only options that law enforcement would have uh, if they um, discover that the person has uh, less than one ounce of cannabis in their possession. The only two options they have are to either give them a civil citation or <laughs> to just let them go. I like that one. Because <laughs> that's always an option. <laughs> it sure is. Um, well, because I, I know to your point, this happened in the city of Orlando here locally uh, in the area that I, uh, near the area that I represent, the city of Orlando didn't really decriminalize cannabis use. They they passed what I would call a deprioritization ordinance, which allowed for law enforcement to still have the discretion of arrest or citation. And we know what the outcomes of that are based on data. When you give law enforcement the option, they lock black and brown people up and they let white people go. They, just, they sure do. The facts, the facts state that. Um, it's not a theory. <laughs> and it's not a belief. It's a, it's a fact based on the available data. So I wanted to move away from that because if we, if we don't, if we don't want to criminalize possession of cannabis, then there is, there is no reason for discretion for law enforcement to be able to criminalize it if they had a bad, a bad day or they felt like it. Um, and that's what my, my statewide bill that I introduced in the past two years did is it didn't give them the choice. It said it's a civil citation or you just let them go. And that's the end of the story. Thank you for that answer and um, clarifying that because in my opinion, that's the only way to go. And specifically because of the data that we have received from these deprioritization bills, um, I forget the multiple it was in Orlando, but black and brown people are getting arrested just orders of magnitude greater 
than white folks. And as a white person, I don't like that. It, 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 it pits communities against each other, you know, like why, why are the white folks getting let go? And, you know, the minorities are seemingly targeted. It, it's ridiculous. And it's time for that stuff to end. It's institutional racism. And I, I just, I'm glad to see something like cannabis, um, coming along and like a decriminalization bill, like you, um, have introduced in the past and you said you're thinking about introducing it in, in the future. I think this right. is one and of those issues that kind of bring go. all the, the races together. Like this affects all races, all colors. It helps everyone. And we need to continue to chip away at all this institutional racism that's kind of just built in, you know, from centuries of policies and rules. And we're slowly making progress. And I uh, just want to thank you for all the hard work you do for that and the communities of color and the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, it's time to end all the privilege, the racism, all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, it pits you know, people that would otherwise not dislike each other against each other. And it's just, it's not, it's not okay. Well, and the other thing that I would mention is just so that, you know, like, um, cannabis, cannabis arrests based on possession continue to rise. Uh, when I did a public records request of the Florida department of law enforcement, after I filed the full decriminalization bill, I asked them through a public records request how many people uh, in Florida were arrested arrested for misdemeanor um, possession, and they 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 said that they arrested forty four thousand Floridians. Wow! In twenty sixteen, and that ninety ninety point two percent of them were arrested for cannabis possession. Uh, so we're, so we're, <laughs> I mean, that's we're ridiculous. not in a good place. We're not in a good place because it's like, you think about how much, how, how, how much taxpayer resources were just totally wasted on locking people up for possessing cannabis or smoking weed or whatever the individual um, incident was when law enforcement should be focused on apprehending dangerous criminals. Like, why are we wasting their time and resources and bandwidth with this? And why are we ruining so many people's lives? You know, is it, is it fair that someone has to, you know, have this on their record when they're applying for a job uh, in a way that's going to hurt them from being able to succeed in the future? No. What, what, does, what does smoking weed have anything to do with how well you're going to perform on the job. None. Cause I know a ton of successful <laughs> people that smoke cannabis daily. I mean, could it, could it get in the way in the same way that alcohol uh, and other forms of substance abuse happen? Well, well, yes, but we've, we don't lock people up for having a glass of wine at dinner. <laughs> I mean, we, did, sure don't. we don't lock people up for having substance abuse problems. We get them into treatment and there's the possibility for substance abuse with cannabis as well. And we need to acknowledge that, but it's, it's not, it, it's, it's, it, 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 if, if anything, it's, uh, it's, it's less, it's less harmful uh, as far as, you know, less likely rather that someone would have a substance abuse problem related to cannabis than they do with alcohol because the, the research shows us that alcohol is, is more addictive and that people are, have the tendency to, um, to, to, to be more negatively impacted by a, a substance abuse issue with alcohol than they are with cannabis. Um, but we need to get these facts out there. A hundred percent. And, you know, substance abuse is a mental health issue. It's not a substance issue. And I think there's a disconnect uh, with people sometimes about that because we talk about how addictive these substances are and some are definitely more addictive than others. But at the end of the day, if you're taking a substance to where it impacts your life negatively, that is a mental health issue that needs to be addressed, an underlying mental health issue. 
And Florida, I believe we're dead last in the nation on mental health spending, or we're close to dead last. We are almost all the time. We generate a ton of revenue in this state, and it's just so disappointing. You know, without throwing the legislator who told me this uh, before the panel under the bus, because I know he wasn't, you know, saying it in a bad way, but we were talking about regulating marijuana like alcohol, taxing it, and he was saying, well, we don't need any more money. The state doesn't need any more money. You know, the state has plenty of money. And I looked at him and said, well, if, if the state... Are, are they serious? <laughs> we have we have health care uh, waiting lists in the state that are literally 10 years long for, for the disabled and the elderly who been, who are, are eligible for at-home at health care services who have to wait 10 years to get those services because we don't have the money to fund those programs. Yes, we do need more revenue. Yes, we do. Uh, lots more. Because if we're dead last spending on mental health, plus, you know, the other area you brought up, those are just two areas. I mean, I don't know if this politician has, he must have never gone into a school in in an area that doesn't generate much tax revenue for the state because I'll break it to you, they're failing. Yeah, poor, poor teachers because of the terrible teacher pay in the state of Florida have to reach into their own pocket because their own school districts have run out of paper and pencils and basic school supplies. Uh, the affordable housing trust fund has been swept year after year after year uh, to, to use those affordable housing dollars on other things because we didn't have the money to spend them on affordable housing, even though that's what those that money was there to spend it on in the trust fund. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the, of the, terrible decisions that we have to make and the programs that we have to cut and the budget holes that we have to fill because we're not, we're not getting enough revenue. Um, that, that's just an ignorant statement. Totally. And nothing would generate more revenue for the state with, um, you know, than something like uh, adult use program and taxing the cannabis sales. I want to see more revenue for the state because Every road I drive on isn't perfect, especially down in South Florida. The schools aren't that great. And if teachers are having to buy paper out of their own pocket in a state that's economy is bigger than most countries in the world, that is ridiculous. I don't even know what to say about that. I would be embarrassed to, to go home at night and be like, well... We still don't have enough money appropriated for uh, paper, honey. You know, like over the dinner table. Like, what, what's going on up there? It's just wasted money everywhere, right? I mean, it's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> no, no, I do want to get you started. And I wanted to talk about some of your other uh, agenda items, such as um, we'll get right into this one because I... I have a really good friend who's from Venezuela, and that's a temporary protection for the Venezuelans. They are um, in dire straits down there. They sure are. You know, what we did last week was I co-introduced bipartisan legislation with the Republican Senator, uh, Senator Anifedi Flores. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a uh, memorial to Congress from the Florida legislature urging Congress in Washington to grant TPS, which is temporary protected status, to Venezuelans who are in the United States seeking sanctuary from the Maduro regime. TPS is something an immigration status basically uh, shields the the person who's granted that status from from deportation while they have TPS status. Uh, and the reality is is that <laughs> one of pretty much one of the the the, the most helpful things we can do for those Venezuelans who are suffering under Maduro is for those who have been able to escape and if they were able to make their way to the United States, that we would offer them sanctuary. Uh, that is what this country is all about. You know, bring me your, your sick, your tired, your disenfranchised for, for it to be also a, a sanctuary for immigrants for, from other countries who just want to live free and happy lives, free from a government dictatorship, which is what we have 
with the Maduro regime. Uh, unfortunately, TPS, uh, temporary protected immigration status, is not something that the Florida legislature can enact. That's a federal program. It's a federal protection. And so we have filed this House and Senate memorial to urge Congress to let them know that the, it is the opinion and the position of the Florida legislature that they need to act to grant TPS for Venezuelans. And um, I'm happy that I'm doing it with a Republican because this shouldn't be a partisan uh, issue. Uh, is treating treating people with a little bit of humanity. Um, I, I, I hope that this uh, memorial gets its day in court um, because the unfortunate reality is there is a xenophobic um, kind of trend, uh, an anti-immigrant trend that uh, is being stirred up in this country. And it also has impacted the attitude that people have about allowing Venezuelans to come to the United States, even during these terrible times. And I, I hope that this is something that we can agree on is the right thing to do. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections and get premier brand exposure. This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Register today using promo code CannabisRadio20 to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. 100%. I definitely think so. Um, it is unfortunate the... Uh, the types of conversation surrounding immigration now and you know I, I hear over here conversations all the time and you know it's like um, suddenly all immigrants are like bad people the way that you hear some folks talk about them like oh the immigrants or the this and it's like well you know we we immigrate everyone I, I hate to break it to everyone again listen on the marijuana solution but everybody immigrated here to America at some point and I would like to see at the federal level it be a lot easier to immigrate to this country so people don't have to break the law to try and get here and risk their lives and then get locked up and detained it shouldn't be so hard to come here if, if you're wanting to come here and you want to have a good life and, and you like to contribute to society we should be welcoming people with open arms and if they're fleeing from a regime that shoots on humanitarian aid coming to the country, we should definitely do everything we can to protect them if they can make it here to the United States, uh, 100%. Um, so true. It's so true. And, and you know, Florida, just by um, geographical location, we um, see a big influx of immigrants if they're coming from the Caribbean and some of the... Um, South American countries, uh, you know, when Puerto Rico was hit with that horrible hurricane, we received a, a bunch of residents of Puerto Rico into Florida. Uh, 
I think a few hundred thousand. There's a bunch that uh, ended up mm -hmm. in Orlando, probably a bunch in your district, I would assume. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. They did. A lot of folks. A uh, lot of folks made the move from the island to to Florida and, and evacuated after Maria. Yeah. So, um, out of your other uh, items on your agenda this year, what what are the most important? Let's say issue that you think you'll be able to get some traction on this year and actually get some uh, work done? Well, what I what I hope that I'll be able to get traction on, and I'm working with Representative Ray Rodriguez on this, is back to uh, patient affordability for medical cannabis patients. Um, the issue that I keep hearing over and over is that it's just too expensive, that everything is too expensive. The medicine itself from the MMTCs the uh, repeated doctor visits where they have to pay for doctor consultation fees, the $75 medical cannabis patient ID card, which also uh, the caregiver has to do as well mm -hmm. uh, if you're a caregiver, which is only $75 for one year. Um, the, the average... Um, the average doctor fee is anywhere between two and three hundred dollars when you go uh, in for your consultation and for your, the renewal of your your recommendation for the medical cannabis product. Uh, and by state law, they're required to um, to go back and get an extension on their cannabis recommendation from the doctor every two hundred and ten days. Um, and because of course, uh, because of federal restrictions, uh, insurance companies don't don't pay uh, any portion of this or cover any of the the cost of the drug, the medicine, the doctor visits. Everything is out of pocket. So, what I'm hoping I can find common ground on with my Republican colleagues is doing everything that we can to reduce the cost to patients, so that we are not uh, inadvertently incentivizing them to simply buy cannabis on the black market. The way I think we do it is my first approach is going to be tackling this medical cannabis ID card. It's $75 for one year, but I'm asking for six years. Uh, the reason I've asked nice. for six years for $75 is because uh, medical cannabis is a constitutional right in a similar way that the Second Amendment to carry firearms is a constitutional right, and right now you can get a concealed weapons permit in the state of Florida. Uh, and once you get that initial weapons permit approved, uh, you don't have to renew it for another six years. <laughs> awesome. So, so, I, so I'm using that logic to say, well, why don't we just let them pay the initial $75 fee for their medical cannabis ID card, and then we don't ask them to come back and pay another $75 to renew it for six years. It's not like these, uh, these qualifying medical conditions that people have that allows them to, to have access to medical cannabis are short term. So many of these qualifying conditions, HIV, glaucoma, cancer, um, ALS, like these are long-term conditions that are not going away in some cases, anytime soon. So the, the, I don't understand why they're saying $75 for the card every single year. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm hoping that we can change that. I'm also hoping that I can get some traction on offering that $75 card at a discount for veterans. We know that a substantial number of people who have served this country um, a abroad, overseas, or domestically, that they, uh, that they um, have qualifying conditions that require medical cannabis. And I think that um, that can be something that we get agreement on with our Republican colleagues, that we should be offering that card either for free to veterans or at a discount um, to help with the cost. So those are a couple of things that I hope will we'll get traction this year. I'm working with Representative Rodriguez on that. Awesome. That is a brilliant, um, you know, analogy slash correlation between two constitutional rights and an ID card. I love it. That's great. 
Well, I know who my audience is, which yeah. is Republicans in the legislature. <laughs> so when I when I make that argument, it's hard for them to disagree. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I love it. Um, and then the ID cards, you know, the price and um, discount for veterans, I totally support. Uh, I was in the U.S. Navy until they discharged me under other than honorable conditions for cannabis use. And I cannot wait because I know there's going to be a day in the future, it's going to come, where some form of cannabis, whether it be a low THC, high CBD variety, or some of the other minor cannabinoids we're starting to discover that don't have psychoactive properties, but I know that it's going to be available to our soldiers, sailors, and airmen at some point in the future as an alternative to the opioids and the other prescription drugs that they have no problem giving to people um, in service and out of it. And it's going to be a great, great day when that happens. We've seen some changes with VA policy in regards to medical marijuana. There's actually a full page on the VA website devoted to it, and it clearly states that no veteran will be denied benefits for participating in a state-approved medical marijuana program. And I always like to remind people when I'm talking to them about that uh, because there's a lot of misinformation out there still that we have to overcome. And a lot of it surrounds veterans and Social Security and disability benefits and the concealed weapons and medical marijuana issue. And of course, I had the wonderful Queen of Green, as John Morgan calls her, Commissioner Nikki Freed, on the podcast mm-hmm. previously, and we uh, tackled the medical marijuana and concealed weapons permitting issue. She also said that you know, her department won't mess with the different security licenses, the D, G, and K. Now, obviously, you won't be able to consume your medicine while working, but there's a lot of fear out there, and it's it's good to know that we have some strong advocates up in Tallahassee and it seems like each year that goes by we open up some minds that were previously closed and we're getting new politicians elected that you know believe in the plant they want to free the plant and they understand that there's basically been an ultimatum since 2016 in November when over 71% of Florida voters approved medical marijuana and now because of the way the implementing laws have come down and all the lawsuits and the limited access and the very high prices adult use when it gets on the ballot however it gets there it's going to pass with flying colors in my opinion and it's going to happen really soon, hopefully in 2020, or if we can get your legislation pushed through, I would love to see that as well. So we will make sure to let our listeners know to support the bill as it's you know, going through the process, and hopefully we can get that done and into law because I know a, a lot of people are just afraid to get their medical marijuana card that could greatly, greatly use medical cannabis and they're waiting for adult use. That's right. And thank you for your service, Robert. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the VA is taking steps to, uh, to make sure that, that veterans are treated fairly specifically veterans that are, are part of the medical cannabis program in our state and in other, and in other areas as well. You know, it's the least that we can do and it's time for us to be able to, to implement this and move on uh, to other issues. Absolutely. Um, We're coming right up on the the end of the show, and I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for what you're doing for everyone in the Sunshine State on all the different issues you're tackling. um, You're not afraid to tackle some of the issues that other people shy away from, and, and we appreciate it. And I just wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to um, inform the Marijuana Solution listeners on how they can help you in your efforts and uh, stay up to date with what's going on and uh, you know, be a change that they want to see in the world. Well, thank you, Robert, and thanks again for having me on. Uh, I think folks just need to keep telling their stories. 
um, whether it uh, has to do with uh, the need to expand access to medical cannabis or, you know, your, your story of criminalization because of uh, possession. These are, these are really, really helpful ways that people can really make an impact and make people get educated on the facts. But also, I want your listeners to uh, stay up to date with what I'm doing. I'm very active on social media, particularly on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Carlos G. Smith. You can also look me up on Facebook. Just uh, type in Representative Carlos uh, without having to spell my name all the way out. And you'll find uh, you'll find my fan page, Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram as well. And I you know, want everyone to please feel free to reach out to us if they need anything, but also stay tuned on what we're working on through social media. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will have those uh, links to Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith's different social media channels so you can stay up to date with him and what he has going on. And I highly advise you to do so. There is never a dull moment. He is out there on the front lines waging war against the lies that have been told to us and we need to support him and his other colleagues that are on the green team. Thank you so much, Representative Smith. I really, really appreciate the time you've taken today for me and the Marijuana Solution listeners and uh, look forward to helping you move some of this sensible reform through the uh, legislature. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. Thank you all. Aware, aware of the Star Wars solution.